0: Thank, you for, coming Thank, out. For coming Thank out. you for
1: coming out. Thank, for out. Coming Thank out. you for coming out. out. Thank, oh, out. Yeah. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out, welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015. Ooh! I founded the Queer Improv show. Thank you for coming out or Tifco as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the improv show, our storytellers share their coming out stories and then our improvisers bring them to life. The podcast is a little different. We still have our storytellers share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I am can't even believe I get to introduce who I have with me here today. <laughs> the indie pop trio Betty Allison Palmer and Elizabeth Ziff and Amy Ziff using bejeweling, I hope I said that word right, melodies, compelling lyrics, and signature harmonies to create energetic live shows that mix music, performance art, politics, and comedy. Betty sings of joy, love, longing, sex, food, heartbreak, and the universal hilarity of human existence. More than a band, Betty uses music to channel their passion for fairness and equality. From the beginning, they've lent their voices to causes they fight for, their talent in collaboration with other artists of every medium, and their time and support of women and girls worldwide. Hello, hello, Betty! All of the Betty people. Hello, Dubs. Whoa.
2: Dubs. No one has ever said bejeweling before. That is so awesome. I love it. Oh my god. Most gosh. people say beguiling. Uh, but I like bejeweling so much more it because yeah. it's it makes <laughs> us like glittery. Thank mm-hmm. you. Very sparkly. Oh my gosh. Love it. I love so that. We're
3: yeah, this is fantastic. We're super psyched to be on your wonderful podcast. And um, basically, happy to share stories with you. This is Amy talking. And ours is, uh, well, I can just. I ask the question. question. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you. So uh, my, my typical way of inviting this is we all have multiple coming out stories, coming into ourselves stories. And so just the floor is open for you to share one of those moments with
3: us. Oh, there you go. See, I was anticipating that. Uh, okay, back to me, I guess. This is Amy again. And many years ago, about like 150 years ago, is that what it is? Yeah, 175 years ago. Yeah. No. Uh, <clears throat> I remember that we were all uh, in the D.C. area and uh, we were starting to form our band and um, uh, Elizabeth had recently said something about coming out to my mom. And- We're, I, we're sisters in yeah. case
0: people don't know that. Right. Elizabeth and Amy are sisters.
3: So, uh, and she was not getting the response that she wanted anticipated or needed. And I was, I think probably closer to my mom than Elizabeth was. So I went home for the weekend and they were in Virginia, we were in DC. And I said to my mom, listen, you need to tell bitsy at that point but you know her name is elizabeth now that you that you know about her girlfriend and that it's okay and you and you love them and you love her and my mom said i i'm I'm not okay with it and i said well that's not your prerogative and you have to be okay with it because it's reality and she's your daughter and it's just part of what's happening So we spent the whole weekend and we went on coffee breaks and we shopped and everything. And then when I was leaving for the weekend, she said, I'm really glad you came out here and talked to me about this. And as she was saying goodbye, she held me and she said, I'm just so glad it's not you. Mm. (laughs) Jesus. And I had just started seeing a woman Mm. who was my first girlfriend. So. I thought, well, this is the first time in my life that I'm going to be able to confide in her completely and utterly and totally because I had been doing that. Anyway, she came around and before she was dying, which was very soon after that, she said to me, listen, I don't care who you're with or who you love, as long as that person loves you unconditionally and treats you wonderfully. So that's my story and my take about it. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Sure.
0: Well, this is Elizabeth, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I honor Amy's story. Uh, to me, my mom never really came around. Um, when I came out to her, I said, uh, well, it's a long story about how I came out. Um, I was in Israel, and uh, I was on a kibbutz, and I was going to stay on the kibbutz. But this is very a long time ago, before Israel was super gay. And um, so I sort of discovered that I was gay, and it was horrifying to me because I didn't know anyone else. Who was gay. There were no role models. It was a very different time, and uh, there were no, there was no like gay bars in Israel that I knew of. I was very young. I was seventeen, and uh, I didn't even know how to comprehend what was happening. All I knew was that this was not something that I necessarily understood or wanted. I mean, I understood that I wanted to be with girls. That that was like a, <laughs> obvi, but. And I did go through a lot of boys before I got to the girls, but when I did really tell the truth to myself, I didn't have anywhere to go with it. So I sort of lost my marbles a little bit. <laughs> um, I mean, I really did lose my marbles, and uh, I ended up coming home from the kibbutz after about a year. And it was very, it was an incredible experience. And I wanted to make Aliyah, and I wanted to do all the stuff. But when I decided to go back to Israel, it was more like running away from who I was mm. than really coming face to face with the fact that I was that I was queer, that I was a lesbian. And so by the time I got back to Israel, back to the kibbutz, I was a mess. And the kibbutz didn't know what to do with me at all. Because before I had been like really fun and I'd been singing all the time and I, you know, I was just a big part of the kibbutz. They had asked me to be a part of it after Ulpan. And then I, um, Opan was, is when you, uh, half the day you study <clears throat> Hebrew and then the other half of the day you work on the kibbutz. I don't know if they do that anymore. This is a long time ago. This is before birthright. And um, so I really did, I went into a really black space. I stopped eating and stuff. So they sent me home.
3: I got a call from my mom, <laughs> by the way, I was in New York starting my professional acting career or about to, cause I was stringing rackets at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I got a call from my mom, Elizabeth and I had always been close. We didn't really, we were different, you know, we did different things, but she I said, I was bad. She was good. Yeah. I was the perfect child. She was not. So my mom said, you know, we're Elizabeth, Elizabeth's coming home. Cause she's not doing so well because I hadn't heard from her either. So she said, can you come back home? And I did. And when I got home, Elizabeth was very, very thin. No, that's but, not what happened. Okay. She, this is what happened. All right. I,
0: um, this is a thousand years ago. So this is oh, by yeah. our memory mm-hmm. I, and memory is just like, who knows what it really is. But in yeah. my mind, so they sent me home. So when I came home, I flew into New York and my mom picked me up and I got off the plane. And the first thing I said to my mom was, mom, I think I'm a lesbian. And she looked at me and she said, you're just hungry. And we went and got a tuna sandwich because I was very thin. And, and, and then she called my sister and my dad and said, it's a lot worse than we think than so we God. thought. It was a lot worse.
3: So I went That's home. That's when you came home. Right. I went home and uh, I just started sleeping in the same bed with Elizabeth. And we started in, you know talking about food a little bit. She would come down to the table and started eating again little by little. And I think that we started singing together. And the band started forming in that kind of way that it was organic and it was loving. And we needed to have something, and an outlet. I, I wrote a couple of songs and I said, look, look at this, let's start singing together. Also, I just wanted to add this too. When I did have that experience with my mom, by the way, <clears throat> before then I said, mom, I think I'm bisexual because I was going out with a lot of men too. And she said, no, you're just sexual. So, I mean, it took my mom a while to get there, but she did, at least before, you know, we had to say goodbye. And I don't think my dad was really part of it. How did you
0: tell your mom? She didn't. She didn't really We're go there, like, there with did, me.
2: How did you tell your mom?
3: Well, she said to me, um, Amy, you've, you've stopped confiding in me because all, she knew all of my boyfriends. We, you know, she knew everything about uh, everything
0: for the abortion.
3: She she went with me to take me to an abortion, you know, mm-hmm. uh, she knew everything about every single person that I'd been with. And then I did stop confiding in her because I was with someone that she loved very much, who was a big part of our family. And you could probably tell that she was
0: there's you know, no way you could look at Anna and not know she was a less. Yeah. She was beautiful, but very manly.
3: Beautiful and very manly and very, yeah. you know, masculine. Very butch. Very butch. And she was a big part of our family. And then my mom said to me, why did you stop confiding in me? And I said, well, I just thought that you didn't want to hear it. You know, I started falling in love with women and she said, "That's when she said, you know, it doesn't matter who you love, just as long as you're loved and cherished." And that's her journey, and her journey was very important to my journey and yours as well. Even no, though you didn't it hear wasn't. it directly, I never heard
0: it. I never got. I never. She never came around to me. Uh, my dad did, but the first thing that she said to me, really, when I when I did come out, it's like truly came out. I came out full on horns blaring through the fence, through the wall. When I met my first girlfriend. And that's really when everything stopped with my mental health. Like everything started getting a lot better because, and that's how I equate my anorexia and things like that with the fact that I didn't want to be sexual. I didn't want to have that body. I didn't want to become a lesbian because I had no way of knowing what that meant. I I knew no one. Miss Jane Hathaway. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Miss <Jane>, anyway, <laughs> was pretty much the only lesbian I knew. And if you don't know who that is, she was the secretary <laughs> on the Beverly Hillbillies, who never had a boyfriend. Or Alice Alice in the, the Brady Bowser. Well, that's much later. Oh, and,
3: she and
2: she had Sam. Yes.
3: Alice had Sam. Sam was a beard. You but you know, here's the point. And <laughs> you've probably heard this a lot, Dubs, and I'm sure this is a resounding theme for everyone that is giving you a story, is that you need prototypes you need role models. Representation matters. You need representation. You need to be able to have your story look like somebody else's, even if it's very, very different. If there's a glimmer of it, that's a little bit the same. And that's why we're very concerned for queer youth now, because in some places in this country, not only are you not being able to get a role model or some kind of representation, but you're being squelched and also not being allowed to be who you are
0: i mean it's also been the impetus for who we've been and how and where we've played and how we've played and how we've always i've always represented i've never been in the closet once i came out i was never in the closet
3: i went back and forth for a long time because i was still going out with men but Mm -hmm. you know it's okay but
0: no it's everybody's process is different and it's all valid sometimes you can never come out because of the your circumstances and i do understand that i don't i'm not a proponent of come out come out because some people need to be safe and they need to have their family or they need to have a support system. And a lot of people don't have that. Mm-hmm. But now the thing that's different is there is the Internet. There are things like Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, where you can find a community, even though you don't have that, you know, face to facing, but you still don't feel alone. But yeah. we did not have that. You know, there were no there was no Internet then. If it, 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 you really did feel alone and I think you've probably heard that from other people who are our age, that it was really, really hard and very scary to come out. I mean, we were in DC at the time during Reagan. So that's when AIDS first started happening. And that, you know, he didn't say the word AIDS until 1986. And our friends were dying and had been dying for years. And it was just a, that propelled us into that and feminism, that, and and uh, coming out propelled us into a lot of the things that people think would thought would stop our career, but I think I think in essence they 've prolonged it because we although we never had a major record label or things like that, and people warned us if you play for AIDS, if you play for gay pride it 's going to destroy your career. but what it did was it built a following and it built a community, a community, and a mm-hmm. sense of ourselves and and who we are politically, even more than musically
3: and artistically,
0: yeah, um, was to 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 be a part of the, this community and to speak for people who couldn't speak. We played at the March on Washington in 1989 what for hundreds of thousands of people who were gay, and you know we came on after RuPaul, and we've always been a part of that. Com, you know, uh, presence a part of the presence and the system that wants people to feel good about who they are, mm-hmm. no Celebrating. who they are. And I think that came from the fact that when we were coming out, it was dangerous. It's mm-hmm. still dangerous. And it, most of the world is dangerous. We played it at uh, Baltic Pride and had, you know, stones and horse poop and things and glass thrown at us. Mm. You know, that was that was dangerous. And that was 2014. So it's still very dangerous in a lot of parts of the world and a lot of parts of America. But, you know, um, my story ended well. I ended up meeting this this girl and we fell madly in love. And, of course, we're great friends now, as all ex-lesbians are. Most of them. Um, not ex-lesbians. Um, as, uh, yeah. Ex-girlfriends. Ex-girlfriends. But in general, what I got from my thing. And I think that I never got what I wanted from my parents. The first thing that my mom said was don't tell your father. Mm. So I didn't. And so when she passed away, I brought my girlfriend to Shiva. And, um, it's when you, are most people Jewish that listen or do I need to explain Shiva?
1: Um, I think it would be helpful to explain it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So if you're sitting, uh, when somebody dies in the Jewish religion, you sit and you talk about the person and it's like a wake, but you sit and you celebrate their life, you celebrate their life. I mean, we're not religious, but we're culturally Jewish. Mm-hmm. And because we grew up in a place that wasn't Jewish at all. And um, so when I came there for Shiva, I brought my girlfriend. And I said to my dad, I'd never said like I'm gay or anything like that. I said, Dad, this is my girlfriend. We're going to be sleeping together upstairs. And he was like, fine. As long as you have somebody to love, he was shattered. So it didn't really matter. And I don't think it would have mattered to him anyway. And I didn't, when I came out, I said to them, I, I said to my mother, I don't want your acceptance or your tolerance. I want you to celebrate this. Mm-hmm. And I was 21, and I was radical, and I was in your face, and I'm an activist. And, you know, it was just too much for her, for this woman from Brooklyn in retrospect. But it's who I was, and it's what I wanted. And it's what I expected from her. Yeah. And I never did get that. I never did get it. She
3: never celebrated that. Well, I'm sorry for that, Elizabeth. You missed out but uh, she celebrated your you're being gay mm-hmm. she celebrated at the end of her life yeah
2: okay oh well, that's effed yeah I really but I, also it. i
3: think it depends on your relationship and still
2: that is so effed i mean think about it that's a horrible thing. well i
3: mean that she if she would have come back and nurtured that relationship as opposed no, to no she like, shouldn't
2: have to nurture a relationship oh, if she's gonna right, say right. one of her daughters yay right on you're being loved and the other one like well you could do better. That's that's awful. Oh,
3: I think that she didn't give her the chance. I think Elizabeth didn't give her the chance. But that's a, that's a family dynamic that we could go on
2: forever. And no, ever. I mean, the reason I bring this up is because, to me, this is Allie, by the way. Allie, like ally, <laughs> minus the L for lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason yeah. that... The, know, I'm not on a roll. Yeah, does yeah. You really are on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I bring that up is because other people probably have that same situation where one child perhaps is favored more than the other, in terms of being honest and true about who who they are. And it's just sad and nothing against your mom. I think your mom was a lovely person, but you know, obviously she's flawed. We're all human beings, we're all flawed. Hang on,
3: I came to her in a different way, that's why. It was more, Elizabeth told you that she was just right in your face. I'm not asking anything of you. I'm not demanding except for you just celebrate, but I didn't demand anything. Mine was much more tapered. Mine was much more gentle. It was eventual. And she came to me. Why haven't you been confiding in me? Why aren't you talking to me about your loves? And that was after a process. So I totally hear you different.
2: I totally hear you. But to me, I'm sorry. As a parent, I think that's I think it's not good.
3: Listen, as parents, we know differently now. You know, I'm a parent. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that's what I'm saying.
2: As a parent, I want anybody out there who's having this problem to understand that we hear you, we see you, and it should be fair for all kids to be loved and treated exactly the same way, in a good, positive, healthy way by their parents. That's all I'm saying.
0: It doesn't... It, I never felt that my parents didn't love me, for sure. Oh. But I didn't feel like they didn't love my whole me. So there were... there were. It was chosen love, you know, not con, not unconditional. It was conditional. And I think that, that that's where they came from, you know. They really didn't know any gay people. And if they did, it was always a... Sh- like it just wasn't something that was in their lexicon.
2: Meanwhile, I remember, this is Allie again, I remember being in college, thought it never even occurred to me. I mean, like I'd seen erotica and like, you know, this kind of thing. But in college, someone said to me, when I joined the theater department and all of a sudden my life just blossomed, I knew who I was for the first time, someone took me aside and said, see that girl over there? And I wish I remembered her name. She's like, she's a lesbian. She's the lesbian of the college. And I was like, I had no idea. I didn't know what the context was. I didn't understand. I looked at her. And now she, I would say she's like Rachel Maddow looking, you know? Uh And then she didn't look all that different from everybody else, but it was like, okay, there's a lesbian. But some time between that and like six months later when I met these two for our audition. I mean, when, when I found out they were gay, it literally what? Wait a minute, registered I wasn't, I had a boyfriend. Whenever, when I realized that Elizabeth was gay, it, was, yeah. it didn't even register. Like, it wasn't even a thought but you knew. at that point.
0: You knew, because you looked at my girlfriend's shoes, and she was wearing my shoes. Yeah, but
2: that to- that's why I knew you were in love. But just as a lesbian, uh, when we when I came over to audition, and it was like, you know, I don't know when you even brought it up, or if you did, but it just was so not even an issue. Oh God, Alice,
3: Allison, remember, I was my I had a boy a series of boyfriends. And Allison, when she met the guy that she loves and who she's with now, she said, oh, Amy, I met the perfect guy for you. And she, she said, he's handsome and he's yep. really, really talented. and He's smart funny. and he's funny. And I said, well, it sounds like you're into him. She said, oh, no, no, he's not my type, but he's your type. And then cut Too. how many years have you been together? <laughs> 37 years. Been together you know 17. what's funny?
0: The thing about it is, Amy and I, even when we were tiny, when we went to camp, we we would say things like, I have Leslie love for Linda." the counselor no we, we yeah. would say i have Leslie love for her we didn't so even how know how did what it was how did you know about Leslie's we just place? knew about we lessies. knew mrs Moss was a Leslie. yeah she was the
3: gym teacher we yeah. knew she was the
0: Leslie. we didn't i didn't necessarily do did we know what it meant
3: We. we there must, must have thought. been some conch, something you know there must have been some i mean there were
0: like whispers about um martina navratilova but that was like the I only thing I
3: remember. Yeah, but that's when we were older, we knew. I think Even what when it was when you,
2: when you first heard <laughs> the idea of like lezzies, to me, it was this is someone who rejects men. That's all I thought of. I didn't think of like, this is someone who has sex with women and loves women. It was like, this is someone who rejects men. And to me, that was more, that was the shocking part of it. Because if you think about it, we're living in this patriarchy. For someone to reject men is a big and deal. So maybe that's what you thought too, when you were thinking about leslie love. This is someone who is... Like, no,
0: it wasn't about rejecting love. It was about having Leslie love for Linda, the camp counselor. We didn't know what it meant, but we definitely knew it was right.
3: <laughs> Okay, I wrote my first poem there, and it was, my mind is a rainbow of thoughts, and when I smile, I'm thinking of you. And Elizabeth <laughs> said to me, who's that for? And I said, it's for Linda, camp counselor. But And I
0: understood. You yeah. didn't need to talk
3: about it. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, some of the people might think, oh, that's strange. You know, you're writing something for your camp counselor and it's like you're smiling about her and loving her. Also,
0: you and I, we would pretend when we grew up in a part of our uh, growing up was in Paris <laughs> and Amy and I would pretend we were boys. We would tell people I was like oh, Philippe tell and, her, tell Philippe her and Patrick. And so we not. So, so we would have boy privilege because boy privilege was very different then. And girl privilege, you could go wherever
3: you wanted. You, I mean, maybe it's still is. now, yeah. still is. Come Come on. On. I mean, that's a, a standard, we right? Tell Everybody.
2: her about the, the lady in the the store.
3: You know this story. I mean, I lived it, yeah. Um, tell dubs, oh, tell, Sorry, dubs. tell them, yeah. Um, well, let's see. Oh, okay. Well, uh, every day, are, are we allowed to keep talking about stuff? Or, yeah? yeah, I'll, yeah, okay.
1: absolutely, please. What?
3: When we lived in Paris, uh, we had routine and uh, there are four of us, we have, there are four siblings, but Elizabeth and I would go every day after school, we would go to the candy store and, uh, as one does, as one does in Willy
0: Wonka as in well. Willy Wonka. But Amazing. we had,
3: we had to wear little smocks, little, like little dresses to school, uh, in the French school. So we both have, had short hair, right? We'd run home, change into our jeans and t-shirts, get on our bikes and go to the candy store. And the, uh, the Amy lady. had the coolest bike, by the way. Yeah, I did. I brought it over for <laughs> a friends. banana seat, and it was gold, sparkly. Yeah, and it was a boy's bike, and I really wish I had it now. Naturally, bejeweled. Just kidding. <laughs> bejeweled. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. She okay. when we got into the candy store, there was a woman, a very old woman there that was named I think it was Madame Chambrion, and she would say, oh, "Voilà les petits garçons, les petits Américains, les papa, the little American boys are coming over here. What do you want? You know?" And, and we didn't correct her. We didn't correct her, and she, I, I was Philippe, and she was Patrick, and we would get our things. And then there was a woman, a woman in the back who she'd always call for. Allez, venez, 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 les petits Américains sont ici. And then one day. We forgot. It was like after we hadn't been riding our bikes for a while. It was after the summer. It was spring or something. So we just went from school to the campus. We had store. our dresses on. We had our dresses on. Cut to the chase. And the woman, when we walked in, she said, Mais bonjour, les petits amis. No, no. In other words, you can't wear dresses. What are you doing? And she then we realized. We were in drag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We realized that we were had made a terrible mistake. So she said, "You can't do that. You're little boys. You can't wear dresses. What do you think is happening here?" So uh, we just took the candy and got out of there. But, yeah, yeah. But
0: after that, she treated us very differently because she, obviously she knew that we were girls. She found out Et we were girls. Voila! She treated us very differently. <laughs> and and everybody does treat you differently, especially then and now. I mean, the first thing somebody asks is, you know, are you having a boy or a girl? I'm not. Maybe mm-hmm. people are getting a little bit more.
1: I'm not. No. I'm not experiencing that story, <laughs> that all the time. No,
0: they're not. But it's so interesting because I was such a tomboy. We were both tomboys, and it would be interesting to see what would have happened if we'd grown up now.
2: Well, you I've know? got to tell you, and in my own horror, shock, and horror, I um, I sometimes teach as well, and I had this little girl in my class, long-haired little girl who was so badass. Just last year, I was, I loved her. She was like so edgy and cool. And she was the first one to answer questions. And I was like, why can't all girls be like that? End of the class. I found out it was actually a little boy. And it was so interesting that I put all this expectation on who this person was as a woman, as a young girl versus how this person, who this person was, was a man, even me, we have such internalized, all of the isms gender. You know what I mean? It's so interesting. And I was like, Oh man, there still is a lot of work that needs to be done. Even with those of us who are quote, Woke, unquote.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I, so I worked at um, Keshet, which you all, I just saw you all perform at the Outstanding Gala. I worked there for five years. And there's, so I was working with Jewish institutions and Jewish professionals all over the country. And there are like, there are pockets of people who are like steeped in, in learning about how to make more inclusive spaces and places of belonging and celebration. And even myself, I still have to put myself in check of like, don't make an assumption about who that person is. Don't make an assumption. And like, it's, it's a constant dialogue in my head. And so it's, it definitely, it's good. a, it's a, an intentional act of expanding how we view people and how they express themselves in the world.
2: True. True, And to be forgiving, forgiving of ourselves and others when they do slip up, because, you know, how can you not in a culture that is trying to oppress you with everything it has and you're like punching up at this thing you know it's you're going to make mistakes but we just keep trying don't we and i don't think yeah. it's
3: intentional if we misgender somebody that is very um you know conscientious about it and i think that if people are forgiving about that too it's it's um, a learning curve. it is a there's a learning curve for for all of us you know even if we've been living the life for a long time
1: yeah i think about that all the time because i actually i get misgendered all of the time. Um, and I think Love too that. about um, just that like intent versus impact. And I was actually in, and so for when I was first, when I first changed my pronouns, I gave everyone all the grace in the world because it's like, this is something new, new for all of us. We're, we're, you're relearning and creating new synapses in your brain. Right. And, but I, you know, I've been using they, them pronouns since 20, early 2017. Um, and so it's been five years or more. And yeah. so now by now, I'm like, I have no grace. I have no patience because I've given so much time for you to practice and for you, whoever you is, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. But I was so I was listening to this podcast about and so for OK, so for a long time, I was like intent versus impact, your impact, your intention doesn't matter. It's all about the impact. And then I was listening to this podcast just yesterday um, and I forget what it's called. But, um, it's Marie Beecham's podcast, and she was talking about even in a court of law, if you unintentionally murder someone, it's less of a sentence than if you intentionally murder someone so and then she gives more and more examples of like levels of intent versus impact and and just what you were saying, Amy, about like if if you know if we're having like good intentions and like you know the learning curve. And I think so. I think it's not just a black and white, just like nothing in this world is black and white. You're exactly. right. Like even yeah. this conversation of how much grace do we give people? But I think the, the part that I want to lift up a little bit is when someone is you know constantly misgendered over and over and over, the capacity to show grace and to show forgiveness is lowered depending on the day or the mood or the emotion, right? You know, we sure. all have different capacities for different things at different times. Um, mm-hmm. but I think generally speaking, I think if we had all just a little bit more patience and grace with each other, um, because Marie brought up also if someone is intention is has good intentions of engaging in a conversation with you and they say something wrong, you have to. It's good to assume that if you correct them, that they're still going to have those good intentions because they want to be engaging in conversation. And I think it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, like armor and guards up when, especially because it's like people say really hurtful things to me all the time. And so I always have guards up. And so I'm always assuming the worst. And then I, it's, it's another one of those active things of, they're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to hurt you and just engage in. does that make sense? And so it's all just so, but it
2: also goes Dubs. it also goes the other way because I was just having this conversation at church yesterday with someone who was like you know I can get behind the whole trans thing I really have that you know trying the straight person really trying to get there the only thing I can't do is the they them it makes me so angry when someone says they them because it just doesn't make grammatical sense I was like hey look you know we use it too as I don't have to explain it like we all use those, yeah. those terms it's not a big deal and my friend said, yes, but anytime someone corrects me, it just makes me so mad. So the defense is on the other side as well. And mm-hmm. that is untenable. You cannot have defense. If you're trying to be a better person, you cannot have those walls up if you are actively insulting someone. You know what I mean?
0: But you know what's really great about Betty, bringing it back <laughs> yes, please. to the bench, <laughs> great. Um is that when people do come to see us, I think everybody feels included. And that's something that we've always tried to do. Even when we're not trying to do it, doing it because we're getting straight together. We're black and and white, Jewish, uh, white Jewish and black um, Christian. What what would you call yourself? No, I'm pagan. I'm pagan. pagan. I just
2: go to a Christian church. Yeah. I mean,
0: we're, which is, you know, we're everything. And we have always had open arms to, to the communities, any community. And so a lot of people, a lot of communities own us and that's fine. That's fine with us. As long as when you come to a show, you feel safe and you feel like you're having fun and you feel like you can relate to the Welcome. music whether it's whether we're using the right pronoun for you or not people have told us that they feel included here and that's always been important to us that's why we started playing gay prides in you know in our first band in 1982 in washington dc when it was really scary to do that nobody would play for
3: gay pride it was behind a fence hidden away before we had any kind of consciousness or any kind of identification of being different or Um, gay or bi or anything like that. We just had a big community. The artistic community had a lot of different kinds of identities in that community. And it was important for us to show up as artists to, you know, represent or at least to support. And that was very important. I think that most artists that we know have always felt that kind of affinity to, be supportive of the artistic community in that, where there
2: are lots of different kind of
3: gender identities.
2: Also, my, I think one of my main uh, life uh, propulsions, this is Allie again talking, is, is fairness, always has been, always. And it's ne- a lot of things have just not made sense to me, and I will fight for stuff to be fair, just because, you know, I had, I had an abusive father and stuff, so it, it's like it all comes from my heart and rage. So if something's not being fair, I don't I don't care what it is. I want to try and fix it in any way that I can. And I think that seems to be a somewhat common thread through for all of us. One
0: hundred. But also you're you're a black woman in America, right? I mean, why wouldn't you want why wouldn't you be filled with rage? Any woman, period,
3: <laughs> in America, you know. Um I think not just women, trans people as well. You yeah. know, I mean and and also anybody who's yeah. oppressed anybody is any is the way. other
0: who's the other but yeah, it's the last it the dying other. gasp of the dinosaurs and we shall rise and we have been rising and the beautiful thing about betty bringing it back to betty is that it. we do because we've been a part of these communities for so long and have performed for them and even if people don't think we're a part of the community but have come to see our shows They have supported us for our entire career, for 36 years, and we're independent artists. And so we feel that support on a daily basis. Now we're doing a Kickstarter for our next album. Our first first. Kickstarter, Dubs. Yeah. It's it's the first time we've ever done that. And we've had to because people don't really pay for music anymore, they just download it. They don't really understand that it costs a lot of money to make a record. And, and if I
2: could add something to that, sure. a lot of people can record now in their homes, like on right on this on a laptop. They're yeah. like, oh, you know, anybody can do this. But the way we want to put out records is we want to put out the, the absolute most top-notch possible product after 36 years. So for us, we needed to raise the kind of money that we could do that. And that's why we started the. Gift but it's door. also
3: interesting to know that uh, I I was reticent to even go into that kind of situation of a crowdfunding thing, but now I've seen the response, and it's it's interesting because people really want to support the artists that they love. And it's wonderful how much and people want to support. They want to have some kind of vehicle for that, not just buying a ticket or a merch or merchandise. But for people that have they a vested interest time, yeah. in to, be a, to be part of to be part of the, of the project, yeah, part of the process. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. So that's been really illuminating for us because I think all of us were a tiny, little bit reticent to do that. But in America, you are not funded by the government to, to make a record. In like Canada, if you want to make a record, you're partially funded by the Canadian government mm-hmm. in Germany, in France, in in the Netherlands in so many. Well you have
3: to go through a process.
0: Yeah, but it's but you can be. The option option exists. Yeah. Yeah. You also get, as an artist, you have healthcare. You know, you have for for us when the pandemic wasn't happening, we didn't work. Right? We had to create other ways of of finding a living and things like that. And for our friends in Germany and things like that, they were they were completely Funded by the government during the whole lockdown, during the pandemic, as artists, and
3: well, that mean, there were there are things here that happened too. I mean, but were I think you get money. True, but yeah. I think Elizabeth's
2: point is is that we don't get loan. the support that other people get <laughs> loan, as yeah. support. So it's really, really wonderful to actually feel supported as an artist. And if your country's not going to do it, at least your community groups doing it is really, really gratifying. So we're
0: totally grateful. We we're not we're not there yet. No, so people can still give to. Um, the kickstarter yeah which would be great and you know we the have easiest, great prizes
2: and dubs the easiest way to do it is you just have to go to our link tree which is a fabulous thing which is l-i-n-k-t-r dot e slash betty rules that simple and you get all the information about our upcoming shows about our kickstarter about everything which i'm sure you'll be putting with your podcast
1: of course i'm going to link it and so you uh, you just mentioned up upcoming shows what are your upcoming shows that you're most excited about
0: Thanks for asking. you really Well, the the one we have is tomorrow, Friday, um, at December second in Boston. In Boston at Woo-hoo. City Winery, it's actually very inexpensive because we we want to open open more doors in Boston, and um, it's a great space, City Winery. I think it's
2: 730? 7.30. It's 7.30 City 30 on Friday, January 2nd. It's December 1st. 2nd. I'm sorry, uh, December 2nd. And it is our very first of our tour of holiday shows. Ooh. Every year we do holiday shows. And it's really, really exciting. And we haven't been able to come to Boston for a while. So when we were in Provincetown this summer, having a fantastic time, as one does in Provincetown every single time, a bunch of our Boston uh, people who came to the show said, oh my gosh, when are you playing in Boston? So this is when it's happening. Please tell all your friends. oh my god i can't get it right december (laughs) 2nd at city winery in
3: boston after after boston we're playing in new york and that's um december city winery as well december 11th and our special guest is gloria steinem Wow. and a couple of other people yeah and that's always great she's been doing it with us for 15 years and she goes through a The year, the past year's top 10.
0: But we're almost sold out of that one. We still have some tickets.
3: We do have some tickets to sell and Mm -hmm. and also in the balcony. And it's always a really fun time. Oh, it's fabulous.
2: We've got a whole bunch of guests. It's going to be really great. And then after that, we're going to be in Washington, D.C. on um, December 15th 15th at City Winery. It's all City Wineries, and that's at 730. And like I said, if you just go to our link tree slash Betty Rules, you can find out all the information or our Instagram we really didn't Betty give rules. you a Our ch- Instagram is at Betty
3: Rules. We didn't give you a chance to ask very many questions. Sorry about that. Deb. No,
1: that's okay. <laughs> Honestly, you answered a lot of what I had questions on organically, <laughs> so that's great. Um, I one would. Thing that, oh, please go ahead. go ahead. I was gonna I ask. I'm sorry. I'm gonna stop. You go. Go
0: ahead. I think one thing that's important for for people to know is that we're queer positive and all of that stuff, but we're really, really feminists. And that's been a guiding light for us through our career, through our 36 years together. Um, I think that's
2: an and, yeah, it's not, not a but. but. Yeah. We're queer positive and we're feminist. Oh, did I say but? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and right. it's a big but. <laughs> Thank you. It's, Go ahead, Dubs. It's a It's a big but. <laughs>
3: Let Dubs ask some questions, for
1: goodness <laughs> sakes. Go ahead. Um, I guess I have, I have one major question and then I'm going to invite you all to sing a song, um, if that's okay with you. Um, so sure. I, what, what's really Hell interesting no. what's interesting interesting to me is because you've been on the scene for so long, I'm curious how your activism has shifted like through time and like what it's looked like, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, et cetera.
0: Wow. Well, sadly, some of it is still the same that it was 36 years ago. We're still working for pro-choice abortion rights even more now than we than we ever have. We're still working
2: for gay rights. We're still working for rights. gay
0: rights, lesbian rights, women's rights. So in a lot of ways, we've progressed. There's gay marriage now and things like that. But that's on the chopping block too, and could be if we don't, uh, if we don't. First of all, get rid of the uh, illegitimate Supreme Court, and if we don't figure this out of going forward, in, in an and democracy. including trans
3: rights as well. I yeah. mean now. Uh, that 30 years ago, that wasn't such a, you know, a presence and a consciousness. Oh, and now it's, um, there are just so many things that need a lot of attention and especially trans youth, and how perilous it is right now. And I would
2: say, Dubs, it, it's a very good question. How has your activism changed? I think that for me personally, the rage is the same. The energy is pretty much the same. All of that is the same. I've just expanded my um, breadth of those things that I think are should be cherished and need to be um, protected. I didn't understand. I really, I've got to be honest. I didn't understand about the trans thing at all, especially when it came to the Michigan Women's Music Festival, where I've been doing this show for 11 years and all that. And people, you know, started talking about the trans issue, and I just didn't know. I was ignorant. And I, you know, at first, I honestly thought it was like more of like a drag issue. Why should, why should there be someone there with a penis? Blah blah blah. I mean, that's literally where it came from. And I really. Had I went to Bryn Tannehill, and I went to all these fabulous um, trans activists, and I really educated myself and, underst- and began to understand. And I was horrified at my lack of um, compassion and understanding earlier. But to have the grace of the length of a long of a of a activism lifespan to be able to grow and expand, I think is really beautiful. So I'm I'm glad that I got the grace from people like Bryn and others who. Tell me what was going on.
3: It's so important for people to be speaking their truth mm. and to involve other people that they know have a consciousness and an identity and an inclusiveness. And in it's there.
0: important to expand and grow like Allison did. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying right now to bring in the elf, the elven, elfish people into my... Come on, they were always there. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but... You know, I just, I see, I see, I, th- I feel more positive about what's going to happen. I think there's a lot of things that are stopping us and it feels like it's a wall, but it's really a rubber band and we're going to move back a little, but then eventually we're going to, we're going to cut through the rubber band. And I think we've done it. We've been together long enough and been activists long enough to see that you step forward and then you step back and then you step two steps forward and one step back. So I really do believe that we're headed in the right direction. We just have to work harder. We just have to, to expand to other people and come together as, as a bunch of different communities coming together. Because once they conquer and divide, then we're, it's not going to happen. But if we stick together, then,
2: then we can move forward. Yeah. I hear what you say. I have one tiny quibble of t- personally about your analogy, which I think is a brilliant <clears throat> one i don 't think that you actually break through the rubber band. I think the rubber band is always there. It might get floppy, but it 's always there, ready to bounce back and that 's where okay. we, we dropped the ball we didn 't understand that we thought, oh my god we 've gone through as a culture you know as, as a progressive culture, but now after after the horror of the Trump years, we understand. That you have to keep fighting no matter what. You have to fight for your democracy. You have to fight for your rights. And you've got to keep on fighting. Mm. But, and you also have to know history. It, we, would not have, we would not be in as reactionary a time as we are right now, as hateful a time as we are right now, if we hadn't pushed so far that people are, are actually threatened. So like Elizabeth says, I've always had, the, I know that we're going to get there eventually. It's just we we're in the red zone now. We're in the red zone because it's the very end, and they are fighting as hard as they can, and we refuse to back down. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Wow. Thank, this was all. Hi, this was, <laughs> so powerful. And and Ali, I just want to say thank you for sharing that experience of your your struggle and your, you know, your um. I guess I would say hunger to learn more and to really educate yourself. That's such an important model such an important you 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 all talked earlier about the need for representation. Um and I think there's, you know, that can be thought of in a lot of different ways. And I'm thinking of it now for you as an ally to understand that there's always more to learn. And even us a part of the queer community, there's always more to learn. Um and just sharing that and modeling um the, that growth is so crucial. So thank you for sharing that.
2: I yeah. I appreciate it. It's, it's mortifying to me, but I think I agree with you. You know what I mean? It's absolutely mortifying. I'm horrified that I didn't have that knowledge at first, but I do want other, I invite other people to take that same journey, which is why I bring it up.
1: Yeah. And I think thank if you, yes, thank you. And I think the more that we, you know, there's a lot of like shame in the past of us. Like I wish I knew better, but it's, if we live in that shame, then we're never going to learn and continue to totally. progress. And I also just 100%. want to um want to appreciate um the the like hope that you're all giving of like you know you've been in this work long enough that you're seeing that it's two steps forward one step back and I think a lot of us um myself very much is like feels you know I feel like despair of like well, how is this gonna get better? But knowing that there are you know that you have been fighting this fight for decades and are feeling hopeful fills me with hope. Um I have no, a- sorry,
3: this is i I'm not that hopeful. Okay. <laughs> She's really okay. not it's not. She's really not. not that's hopeful. the kind of person she is. It's a yeah. spectrum. <laughs> it's a spectrum. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I hear you, and I appreciate your despair, and yes. it's a constant struggle not to be despairing and find vestiges of tiny shards of hope wherever we can. Yeah, it's also personality. Oh yeah.
1: Um. Well, what something that gives <laughs> me hope is music, and so Woo! I would Woo! I would love if you are still still game for it to to give us all hope and to sing us a song. Oh yeah,
2: probably. The one thing that Betty stands for from all, from the very, very beginning is this. What the world needs now. What the what world, world needs now. What the 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 world needs now. It's the, the, the only, only justice love. Love. What the world what the Needs now, needs no what the love, needs now No, it's not just, just for, for some, everyone Lord, we don't need another mountain There are mountains, mountains and hillsides enough to climb There are oceans and rivers enough to cross Enough to last till the end of time, time. What the world, world what the means now, needs now, loves, love it's the it's the only it's the thing only it's the only day, it's the it's the world day, now the it's now No, day, not it's lord we don't need another meadow there are cornfields and wheat fields enough to grow there are sunbeams and moonbeams enough to shine enough to last you know no 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 no, 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 no. Now, what the world, what the world, what the world needs is love. Wow. Ain't the truth? Yes. And that
3: rhymes with death. <laughs> <Steady>. Yes. <laughs> That's Betty. <laughs>
1: uh, I just—I feel so honored. I just got like a little private concert. Thank you.
3: <laughs> That's right.
2: The video. Too people don't know that we're zooming. Yes, Thank come Thanks. Loves. Come we up have to,
0: to We have York to go. Again. Yeah. Come I will. I,
1: I live in Brooklyn. I'm just visiting. I'm visiting Texas. So I will. Oh, I so are really- you
0: to our show? I am going to be. Wait.
1: When is the New York one?
3: Oh, for December 11th. Just said it. Done, I know, but December it doesn't
1: Brooklyn. hurt to repeat it. December, <laughs> December 11 to to at seven
3: o'clock on Sunday. You're going to come. I am going to be in
1: Denver.
2: But well, honey, you will also have December 2nd in Boston this Friday. Come on. Let's make it a Boston party.
1: Uh, I wish I would be there if I could, I'm going to be in Texas and then Denver, but I will, I follow oh, you on Instagram. Traveler. I know yeah. I follow you and I will definitely come to the next show that I'm able to. Um, Yay. Thrilled. Yes. Um, I want to be conscious of time, so, um, and I know Elizabeth, uh, stepped away for a moment, but why don't I do the lightning round with you two?
2: One thing we would love to do, Dubs, as a special, um, celebration of this fantastic conversation with you is to give away a pair of tickets. One pair? One pair of free tickets to our two show. Two pairs, two pairs! Two pairs! You're going crazy, right. Two pairs of tickets. To our show in Boston this Friday, which is at City Winery um, on on December 2nd at 7.30 p.m., and the only person who can actually win this, the two different people who are going to win pairs of tickets, have to answer this question, something we've talked about in this show. How many years has Betty been together? Whoever gets in touch with Dubs with the very first answer, we got two pairs of tickets for you. And we want you to come up afterwards and say, hey, howdy. And we can't wait to meet you. Wow. Amazing.
1: I love that. I will put the question in the caption. That's so generous. Thank you for that. So the...
0: Um... You can also put HelloBetty.com on your thing.
1: Oh, sorry.
2: What'd you say?
0: HelloBetty.com. Oh, yeah. the Instagram
2: is the best the link tree tree. tree is our very best thing okay Okay. lightning
1: lightning round it is okay lightning round so it's just for fun answer as quick as you can you can pass if you want if you could name your own crayon what would you name it
2: betty glitter you I don't know. Okay, <laughs> okay. great. Favorite? <laughs> I mean, it, would be a, it would be a beautiful brown color that is the, the combination of all of our skins of humanity. That's what color the Betty crayon would There's be. glitter
0: already? Yes, of course there's glittering. Oh, goody. Okay. But there's no Betty. All right, there's well, no about...
1: bejeweled hey, Betty one. Okay. Come okay. Favorite, come jewel... on, bejeweled. <laughs> um, favorite time of day? Morning. Morning. Evening. Your favorite,
3: Dusk. You favorite,
1: favorite queer media representation,
3: Betty. Oh,
1: Dubs. Rachel. Ooh, these are great. Okay, a song that makes your heart
3: soar. I will survive. Killing Me Softly. That makes your heart sore? Yeah. All right. It God makes my her. heart soar. S O
2: R E. <laughs> what you're about you? Se- you're
1: the second person in all of my history to to interpret soar in that way and i appreciate it
2: what <laughs> about you elizabeth what song makes you your heart sore yeah, so many of them I... Just Just so why it's, it's a, a lightning round, round. round. You get too
0: fast that's a lightning round okay sweet dreams are made of this
2: a good one
1: nice wow. favorite yeah. beverage Ooh, water mm.
2: ice coffee i would have to say tito's martini up super dry with seven olives mm. ice coffee you're a real new okay, Yorker. it's a lightning
3: round so Check it. Wait, well, yeah, even, even if <laughs> no. it's really, really cold outside, if you're a real New Yorker, you drink iced coffee.
1: Three sixty-five. Um, favorite quote. Ooh. Um, uh, so many. Didn't it's Lee gonna
0: piss
3: you off? One. What, what, what
0: is that one? Uh, the
2: truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. That's Gloria well,
0: Steinem.
3: Um, but I like Lee Miller's too. What did she say? I wish I'd had more time to share my body.
2: Um. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to go with with what we just saying. What the world needs now is love. I love sweet that love.
1: Sweet, sweet love. Sweet.
2: It's my quote, not yours. <laughs>
1: all <laughs> right, and the my favorite of all the questions: bagels or donuts?
2: Oh, bagels. Oh, There's no
3: question. Donuts. What? It's got to be a bagel. Donut. Have you ever been to a Krispy Kreme? Uh, oh Should yes. Please.
1: So the correct answer is, of course, bagels. However. <laughs> Krispy cream fresh out of the oven, so good, so so good.
3: Yeah, yeah. Hello, and guess what? Same calories, Krispy Kreme and a bagel, same. That's so still. it's the that's dream for the sweet. Isn't it really? Yeah. Huh?
1: All right. Well, this I'll has been. Oh, okay, no, please. I was just gonna. No, I was gonna close right? it up, but if you want to share. We've
2: taken so much of your time. Thank you so much for, t- for today, Dubs. This has been really fun. Yeah. So yes, fun. Down, okay. I
1: What's will. On? I'll create a graphic Thanks. and include you all. Um, Elizabeth, if you don't mind coming back, I'd love to take a screenshot for social media.
2: Okay. And did you want to say goodbye? Because we just started talking. If you have like a, a special goodbye you want to say, then we'll, we can do that. They can edit that in, okay?
1: Yeah. My Sorry. special goodbye is me saying, thank you for coming out. <laughs>
2: oh, thank you for having us, Dubs. We had a ball. Yes. My Dubs! pleasure. Me too. Thank you for coming out.